Hello, welcome to the Everyday Love Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rayleigh. I have been so excited to release this episode because I get to introduce you to my friend Ty. Ty has been such a joy and delight in my life ever since I met her. And we have spent a lot of time together. You'll hear us talk about that. I love visiting with Ty because the joy of the Lord and the light of the gospel truly shines through her in everything that she does. So, please enjoy and be encouraged by this conversation with Ty. Hello, welcome to the Everyday Love Podcast. Today I have one of my very best friends, Miss Ty Magruder with me. Hello. Hi, friends. Ty and I have been friends for like like five years. It's been five years. Has it been five? It's been a long time. I don't know if it's been five. It might be four, but needless to say. Um, And how, Ty, tell the people how we met, how we became friends. Oh my goodness. Through the, was it through the preschool ministry at the church? Yes. Yes. Yep. (laughs) So working with the babies. This is actually one of my favorite stories to tell. So Ty and I had known each other because we kind of, we worked together and I was in college at the time and I was taking a multicultural class (laughs) and one of my assignments for the, are you okay with me telling this story? Yes. (laughs) One of my assignments for this class was to interview someone who is of a different culture than I am. Um, I am white and Ty is not. <laughs> so, I'm not white. Ty is not white. No. Um, and so I one day was like, hey, Ty, do you mind if I interview you for one of my classes? And she doesn't miss a beat, literally says, is it because I'm black? And I was like, um, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's like my I say that just for fun all the time, just to mess with people is the fact that it was true. <laughs> yeah. You're like, actually, yeah, that is the reason why I need you. Because yeah. you said you were like, out of all the times I've said that, I never thought someone was going to say I- yes. <laughs> Never in my mind, I think someone's gonna say yes to that question one day. <laughs> and it was so me. Like me. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> um, I got a really good grade on that project, FYI. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then from there, we became closer friends, and then eventually we were roommates. Like, they there was a point. Roommates. I, Ty, I'm so appreciative of your friendship because there's not very many people in this world that I could literally spend 24 seven with, like my (laughs) husband included. (laughs) Um, We lived together, we were coworkers, we went to church together, we were friends. We were always always together. Yes. Everything. I prepared you for marriage. You did, (laughs) really did, truly. (laughs) The Lord used me to prepare you to spend 24 seven with another human being. Well, and now it's, it's not my husband. It's my child. It's your child. <laughs> Never we didn't leaves. know who it would be for, but <laughs> we didn't know who it would be for, but now we yep. know. <laughs> yep. <Sorry>. yep. <laughs> um, 
so Ty and I, like I said, we went to the same church, but we also worked together at the church. We worked in ministry. Uh, And that's why I wanted Ty to come on today is because I want her to talk about kind of the struggles of working in ministry. It seemed like when you are a Christian, it kind of seems like a glamorous job because you're like, I will get to go serve the Lord every day. And you think it's going to be easy and wonderful. And it's, it's not, it's not not at all. Uh, Not. (laughs) Yes. So before we get into that, Ty, can you just tell me your story? Um, Tell me how you got into ministry. Tell me how the Lord saved you. Cause you have an awesome story that I think people need to hear. Oh my goodness. I love to say that I was a wild child. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's my favorite start to my story is like, I was a complete wild child for a long time, just especially in my twenties in college, you know, I was that college girl. So, you know, I was raised in church though. And so I think I just got to college was like freedom and just, you know, went for it. (laughs) And um, the Lord was very, I feel like we were both very, he was more stubborn than me, but I was very stubborn as well. (laughs) But he was just like, he was telling me no on so many things. And the older I get, the more I'm like, geez, like I was so angry back then, like with him telling me no to everything. You can't marry this person. You can't do this. You can't do that. I was like, this is killing me. Like, what can I do? What do you want from me? Now I look back and I feel like it was all leading to the Lord bringing me into ministry which is like if I had if he said yes to the things that I was praying for when I was 22 and 23 and 24 I would not be in this position um so yeah I was a wild child just you know engaged to a person who wasn't saved and living with this person and then I met Nellie at the church and she snatched me up (laughs) and she was like this is not the life you're gonna live basically like yeah. It was like, I don't know what you got going on, but the Lord told me to tell you that this is not the life that you're going to live. And I was like, you and the Lord are really stressing me out. Like <laughs> both of y'all together are stressing me out. <laughs> but yeah, Nellie was like, come work in the preschool at the church. And I started working in the preschool as a teacher. And then I started helping out in the hallways. And then people from the church would come up to me and say, could you see yourself doing this job? And when I was younger, I literally said I would never work in church. Like my dad and mom worked in the church. It was a whole thing when I was younger. I had a lot of church hurt from being when I was younger. And I was just like, never, like I'll never work in the church. And the Lord was like, okay. (laughs) And so, yeah, eventually enough people came and said, Hey, do you think you do this job? And the Lord opened those doors and here I am (laughs) three years later. (laughs) Um, so can you, cause not all of my listeners are churchgoers. So kind of explain what is your job? Um, what is, we'll explain the church, like kind of what it looks like. It's a big church. Um, and what, so what does your job look like? What do so, you do? Um, we have, we're such a big church. So we just moved under the, under the umbrella of family ministry Um, So we're moving kind of out of this silo, like every ministry does its own thing and into this across the board kind of ministry work instead of up and down. Um, So we have family ministry and then Uh across the board in family ministry, there's preschool, there's elementary, elementary, there's youth and college. Um, And preschool is from zero to five years old. So babies, nursery, all the way into college across the board now. Um, So I run the preschool side of that. 
So that means I, you know, I'm prepping it throughout every week for Sundays, making sure we have diapers and wipes, um, sharing the gospel with those two, threes and four-year-olds and rolling out curriculum, scheduling. <laughs> um, it's a lot. It's like event planning. <laughs> There's so many things yeah. happening. You're like baby yeah. dedications and family fun nights. And, um, but the biggest thing is just like trying to become a partner to parents and just be help parents understand that they're only with us at the church a couple hours a week and that's not enough for yeah. the world that these kids are going to be raised in like we're like two hours a week in spirit in and not in spirit sorry in the gospel and in church is just not going to cut it for yeah. like the world that they're going to grow up in <laughs> yeah that's something the pastor at my church that luke and i attend now um he says all the time, he's like, it is not our job to disciple your children. Like, we will help you in whatever way you can, but it's your job to disciple yeah. your kids. That's one of our highlights right now is partner to parents. And like, it's the thing we're saying the most and it's the thing we're pushing and being like, we are a partner to parents. We are not the parent, but we definitely have resources and things that we can do to help, yeah. you know, to push parents into this gospel centered living for their kids and for them yeah um for context for those listening the church that ty works at they have like what two thousand people come any given sunday it's, it's a oh, large yeah. um <laughs> so it looks different in different size churches but this is what her church yeah between preschool and children's ministry probably close to 300 kids a sunday yeah you between know and then probably 500 or more through the week if we count through the whole week or touching five or 600 kids coming through um weekly <laughs> so right because you have ministries on wednesday nights thursday night thursday nights, sunday nights sunday mornings yeah so very busy <laughs> so talk about what are some things that parents can do to to come to use these resources that their church offers or if their church doesn't offer these resources how should they go about um asking someone to to help them you know it's it's hard <laughs> like just figuring out how to become a partner to parents has been a lot of work like finding resources like what can we give them what do we say to them how do we make sure we're consistent um and i think that's the best thing is just consistency like, because I'm so new to it, there's not any one thing that I can say is like, this is how you're going to get your kid to grow up and be a leader, you know, in, in a gospel driven leader, um, which is what we want, especially if you're a believer, you're like, I want my kid to be a, a gospel centered person. Right. Um, and I say gospel because I feel like the world is going to go back to a time where it's going to be much like sharing the gospel was back in the time Jesus walked the earth <laughs> and it's like we might not have our phones and a bible right in front of us and these things like there's gonna be a time where it might just only be word of mouth so one thing is like how do we get these kids and these parents to tuck the word into their heart just in case there's a time where we don't have a bible right in front of us um so there's lots of questions more than answers right now about how to partner with parents I just think and how to find someone to partner with you um, first, it starts with prayer. I think just like asking God and asking the spirit to reveal these things to you um, is, a, is a big step. 
because <laughs> sometimes I have to ask the Lord, like, hey, open my eyes. Is there something that I'm missing? There's something I'm not seeing. Is there someone I'm not seeing that can help with this? And so praying, number one, and just asking God to reveal to you someone that can help you or resources that are geared towards your need, because every child's need is different. Um, and you know your kid better than anyone on what they need and how they listen and what helps them to remember things and these kind of things. So what we started, one thing we started doing is just sending activities out through the week. So this is the story we're learning. Like this week, we're learning Joseph. So we say, we're learning Joseph. So when the uh, parents come to church on Sunday, when the kids leave, they get a little script that says like, this is what we learned at Sunday school. This is how you can continue throughout the week to give your kids this information. So at dinner time, ask these types of questions. At bedtime, ask these types of questions. And then there's an app that goes with that. Um, that reminds them, hey, this is the story. This is the video that we use. If you want to use the same video we use, um, just to continue that conversation, because that's how you get kids to remember and to start to understand the how important the gospel is and how important these Bible stories are. Even at a, as a four-year-old, you're like, this is important. Mm -hmm. And I look at four-year-olds and I'm like, they have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> they know a lot and they can understand a lot and we limit them more oftentimes than they limit themselves. So yeah. I think just providing information, providing resources, um, looking for information and looking for resources, like sometimes a simple Google search could lead you to like some resources you didn't know was out there. Right. Um, parents, I want to be encouraging to you because I was a child and I grew up with a lot of church hurt too but I when I was young I went to a program called Awanas which still exists today and I memorized a lot of scripture through that program and it's amazing to me how now as an adult it comes back to me like I sometimes I have to re-memorize it like I go back but it's it's there and I know it and now I understand it and I know how to apply. It. Whereas as a four-year-old, I didn't know how to apply it. I was just regurgitating information. But now I know in context, um, I read through the Bible. So I know what it means and what it's saying. And it really is helpful. And when I was, I did the Bible recap. Um, so I read through the Bible chronologically. And I would remember these verses that I had learned four, five, six-year-old. And it was incredible because I was like, Oh, and sometimes I was like, I was taught this incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. And learning it, I know it correctly. So don't, don't shy away from teaching your children scripture and give it to them. Like you don't have to water it down. I mean, you don't need to go into detail about Lot and his daughters, but, <laughs> but you yeah, can teach we probably should skip judges altogether <laughs> <laughs> for preschool. <laughs> Just don't even touch it. Um, my church right now is going through second Samuel mm -hmm. and we did David and Bathsheba, uh, last week. And the lady who was teaching, she said, I had to teach this story to first graders a couple weeks ago. She's like, do you know how uncomfortable that was? <laughs> but she did it. And she said, she's like, the kids got the point. They maybe didn't get all the details, but they got what God is trying to tell them. I think there's something so important in realizing that we are just the messengers. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we get so caught up as adults in our head of like, we have to say everything right. We have to say all the right things and we have to 
you know, we have to be deeply knowledgeable about the Bible to share and, and all these things. And part of that is true. You should be in your word. You should be having some type of knowledge, but you don't have to know everything right away. I can't tell you how many lessons I've learned from a preschool lesson that I was teaching. Like how many times I was like, the Lord has spoken to me through a preschool lesson. I've been like, oh, that makes sense, you know? And so I feel like parents just be grace, give yourself grace and just understand that you're not going to know. You don't have to know every single Bible story to start teaching your babies what the Bible is. One thing we say in our preschool ministry is we, even though our stories mostly come off of a page and there's pictures because they're preschoolers and they need to look at things. But before we start, we hold up a Bible, a regular Bible, and just say, what is this? And they say, it's a Bible. And we say, what do we believe about the Bible? The Bible is true. And for mm-hmm. as a four-year-old, that's really all you need to know. Because as you grow up, the Lord will reveal those truths to you. So it's just about, to giving it to them on their level, but also understanding that this is God's mission. Like, he's in charge of this mission. He cares about this. And he cares about your children more than you do. And he cares about this mission more than we could. Um, and so he's going to empower you as long as you invite him in, as long as you're in your word and you're committed, because you have to commit. It is a commitment to like be like, I'm going to raise my kids in the way that they should go. And sometimes that means like, oh, now I have to watch my mouth and I can't say words I used to say in front of my children because I don't want them learning that stuff. I can't watch the shows I used to watch. And this is kind of, I'm not a mom yet, but as a teacher, as a person who spent a lot of time around kids, I'm like, what they see is, is what they end up, you know, mm-hmm. kids who come to school hitting and doing flips. And, and we're like, you watch a lot of Avengers, don't you? Like, <laughs> you know, you can tell you're like, you was watching a lot of Spider-Man at home. You're jumping off the shelves in here. Yeah. But just telling parents that like, it's a commitment from you, but ultimately that God empowers you to do the things mm-hmm. that pleases him. And so it's hard, but it's not impossible. And you're not doing it on your own. And one of our biggest things, just as adults, is we we tend to want to start to do things by ourselves. And this is a big deal. <laughs> like, I'm very, very passionate about children in general, but preschool and just kids are amazing. Like, kids are so amazing. They ha- they're just these little vessels, just ready to be sponges. Like, just ready. You can put so many things into them. And it's like, it's such a fun thing to watch, but also very scary because it's like, if you do the wrong thing, you you do the wrong thing and you can tell. When you do the right thing, when kids are quoting scripture, when kids are coming in and they're, you know, going to Walmart and saying like, hey, do you know that Jesus wants to be your friend forever? Mm -hmm. You know, like that is powerful because they need that lesson. And right now as a four-year-old, Jesus wants to be my friend forever. It feels like a small lesson, but in your 30s when it's the middle of the night and you're lonely and you're tired and you're going through these things and you can remember I have a friend like Jesus wants to be my friend I'm not alone in this moment though there's no one around me so those lessons if they tuck them into their heart at four comes back when they're 20 and 30 and the Lord just reuses it turns into something new so it's about, it's committing, it's a commitment and it can be hard, but it's not impossible. And like, like I said, you know, God will definitely empower you to do those things. Yeah. And so I have been a mom for three months now, which is not very long, <laughs> but one of the practices that I have with Sawyer, which his nap schedule's kind of changed. So we're kind of adjusting this now, 
But while I'm putting him to sleep or while I'm rocking him, I recite scripture to him. And it's been such a good practice because it's like praying it over him. But not only that, I'm memorizing scripture as I do that. Um, and I found that when I, so the first one we say is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when he's fussy and when he's having a hard time, I start saying that and he calms down. It is amazing. Yeah. And it's been a testament to me of that God's word is comforting. And I wish that I was as sensitive as my three month old is to the peace that the Lord brings. Like mm-hmm. he is sensitive to that. And it's so natural because he's a three month old. So easy. Does. Yeah. <laughs> I start saying the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he just like calms down and we just keep going. We keep going through our lineup of verses that we have. Um, and I just, it's been convicting because like, I, I want to believe those words as much as he does as an infant <laughs> yeah. who doesn't know what he's hearing, but he knows that that's comforting. And when you spend time with kids, you see why in the Bible it says like, you should believe as children believe. Because it's like, oh, like, kids just, they trust you. Like, you know, a four-year-old will jump off of a jungle gym and just expect you to catch him. No words, no communication, no Mm -hmm. eye contact. Like, they just jump. And in your brain as an adult, you're like, they expect me to catch them. But Mm -hmm. they just, they just trust that you, their adult, are going to keep them safe and are going to care for them. And so that's how, you know, especially working in preschool, I feel like that's how God has shown me we are to trust him. And to say, like, you know, like, I can jump off of this jungle gym. I shouldn't because I'm an adult and I have these senses. But I could jump off a jungle gym with my eyes closed and my heavenly father is just going to catch. He's just going to know what I need. He's just going to know because he's my father and he cares about me and he cares so much about me. He knows my needs sometimes before I, most of the time, before I know my needs. And so as a child, when you look at a child and you're like, I can, all I have to do is recite scripture to this kid and he's calming him. He's calming down and yeah. saying like, wow, like what a picture of like what Christ is to us. Mm-hmm. You know, what a, a heavenly father is of like, maybe he just whispers scripture over us sometimes, you know, or he just catches us when we're jumping blindly off a jungle gym. Like how yeah. powerful are those thoughts to be like, if I trusted God the way a kid trusts me just to keep them safe, just to keep them alive. Right. <laughs> like. I have to keep this person alive and he's trusting me to do it. He has no fear whatsoever that I'm not going to get him fed and clothed and bathed today for some reason. Yeah. And that's how we should trust God. Yeah. That's my soapbox. Sorry. No, that's amazing. <laughs> I look, this isn't really what I intended this episode to be about, but it's perfect. This has honestly happened every time. I'm like, <laughs> the Lord knows what he wants to tell the people. <laughs> I'm telling well preschool is just like people look at me and they say I don't know how you do it I don't know and I'm like one the Lord that's all I can say (laughs) two I just see preschool in just a light I'm like preschool is so much fun I'm like these kids are hilarious they're fun they know so much they start to understand sarcasm and laughs and jokes and it's just so much fun but like I'm just like gosh like the Lord is just so good to put you in a space where it's like I'm consistently reminded of my relationship with him because to God, I'm a preschooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, <laughs> I tell you that these things will hurt you, 
And here you are jumping off the jungle gym again with your eyes closed after we've already been reminded that this could hurt us. <laughs> and I'm like, what could hurt different this time? Are you just, you know, like we're just such toddlers. Like when I look at it, when I get onto a four-year-old and I'm like, I told you not to jump off of that chair. I told you it could hurt you. And then God's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's this instance where God told me like, this could hurt me. And who's standing in a chair getting ready to jump? Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it's just a, a picture of just like my relationship, who we are with God. I'm like, to God, most of us are preschoolers. Yeah. <laughs> We're children. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So thank you for that, Ty. And now that we've talked about the children in ministry, <laughs> let's talk about the adults. Because let's be real. That's where it's difficult. <laughs> that, yeah. It's so fun talking about preschool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The hard part uh, is the big people. And here's the thing. Ty and I have both worked in ministry. Ty for much longer than I had. It is not an easy feat. <laughs> not at all. Uh, so Ty, can you tell me how has working in ministry been different than your other jobs? Because you worked in preschool before in a secular oh, yeah. position. So how is this different as far as the adults go? parents and coworkers. I think one of the biggest differences is I remember praying before I would go to work like in my secular job and just being like but the Lord would help me be a light that you know these were people who a lot of them didn't know Christ uh, mm-hmm. didn't have a relationship with the church or with God at all had not been saved um, and so my biggest prayer was like going to work is like I hope that I'm the light so I felt like even I held myself to a higher standard in my secular job for a while of like, I'm coming in here to be the light, to love on these people. And I was much more patient with them because they weren't safe. Yeah. And I feel like I am much more patient with unsafe people because I'm like, I don't have a standard to hold them to because they're not saved. Right. I can't hold them to the Bible because they don't believe in the Bible. Um, right. And so just being like, I have so much patience with them because they're not saved. They do not know the joy of the Lord. And so far be it for me to be the, the Christian that's like mean and ugly to them. So yeah. in the secular world, that was like, I pray every morning, Lord, let me be the light. I can tell you probably on one, how many times I've prayed that prayer on one hand since I started working in ministry, which is crazy because you know, you're like, these people are saved and you think we're all going to be the light. And sometimes we're not all the light <laughs> at a <laughs> church setting. <laughs> Some mm-hmm. of us are the rain cloud and mm-hmm. <laughs> you start to learn that. Cause I think you have like, I had on these rose colored glasses when I went to ministry and I was like, we're going to pray together every day and join in morning worship and have coffee and just figure out how we're going to lead these people to Christ. And then I got there and I was like, half of us barely like each other most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you realize like you're walking into some relationships that have been on edge for a long time, um, especially the situation that we walked into where it was kind of like we walked into a boiling pot of like, oh, yeah. there yeah. there have been things happening. Um, and so we walked in in a time where like the boil over was coming and we didn't know. <laughs> right. So Ty and I um, started, we started being on staff at this church at about the same time, like a month or two apart. And yeah, there were some things happening that we didn't know about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. The Lord was doing some things. We'll just, we'll say that. <laughs> and the Lord was at work. And so, of course, at the time I was like, what have I done? Like, uh-huh. what has the Lord put me into? Like, what in the world? And I had so many questions and I had so many doubts. And, but I think part of it is our expectation. Like, I expected like people are going to pray over us every day and this is going to be happening every day. And sometimes that is true. Sometimes there are times where you're just sitting in your office praying over a coworker or praying over a person who you work with who just is in need of prayer. Like that does happen. And that does not happen in the secular world ever, hardly ever. Um, but in my job, I can say there are lots of moments where I'm not working at a computer where I'm just praying someone mm-hmm. through a sin issue or I'm just praying someone through a heart issue or, you know, And so that does happen. And that is way different from the secular world. But then there are times where you're like, shouldn't we just be a little bit more, I don't even know, like compassionate. Yeah. Yes. Like gracious to each other. (laughs) Like, shouldn't we as, as all believers in this building be able to love each other well? But what you find out is you're still working with people Mm -hmm. and even safe people still have sin still are going to struggle with sin and sins come in many different variations and pride and lying and you know and you're working with people who have accepted the lord as their savior but who are also still people um i think and that's the hardest part (laughs) yeah i think it's easy to in ministry to be a little blinded to your own sin because all these people see you once a week and they know, like, they have this idea that you work at the church. You're like, quote unquote, super, super Christian. Mm-hmm. And so they see you once a week, whether it be on stage or with the children or whatever. Um, but they just see you once a week for two mm-hmm. hours tops. And so then, and they're always telling you, you're doing a great job. This looks amazing. You know, because they see those two hours. Mm-hmm. Well, the rest of the week we still have our, our stuff. And so we our get, a, we get a little prideful because people are telling us that we're doing a really good job and that we look really mm-hmm. good. And it's much harder to call people out on their sin and a whole, it's people. much harder to acknowledge your sin. Sometimes. It is. It is. You're like, I know I've hidden sin and been like, I can't go back and say that I'm struggling with this now that I work at a church. And luckily, like, the Lord gave me freedom in that. And eventually I was able to, like, seek accountability and share and get out of that. Because that's also a life in Satan to be like, mm-hmm. you can't share this information. They expect too much out of you. Yeah. But, um, and so you do, I feel like there are a lot of people who work in ministry who feel that way, who feel under a microscope. And um, which is why I, even as a kid, because my dad was a preacher and I was raised in church. And so even as a kid, I felt like I was under a microscope. So this is a feeling that I ran from, (laughs) you know, like in my college days. And so to be back in that, to feel like I'm back under that microscope again is, it's a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of grace. Like um, there's been a lot of changes at our church, at you know, at the church that we work at um, from when we first started, from when I first started there, Um, which is good, like good changes. And I feel like there's a lot more, check-in and a lot more one-on-ones and like people are being checked on and things are being walked through differently which is like really good Mm -hmm. um because what you realize is like sometimes 
there are people, especially because I'm like one of the only ones left through all of that that happened and being like, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's really just me and all these new people. You know, <laughs> some of the some of the top team is still there, but like down here is just me and all these new people <laughs> like who weren't here for a lot of that drama, which I love for them. Um, yeah. that they're coming in at a less tumultuous time and so they're like yes like this is so amazing and we've had people come from different churches and say like this is so much different from my last church and I'm like in a good way and I'm like okay so we've grown and I take that and I that was recently where I was like okay so there's been some growth if people are coming in and saying like this is much better than what I was in yeah. I'm like okay so maybe we're not Cause we want to be hard on ourselves too and be like, what is happening? Why are we acting like this? But you go to conferences and you, you talk to other people at other churches and then you start to realize like, oh, this is just a bunch of imperfect people mm-hmm. working together, <laughs> like yeah. trying to serve the Lord, but also very imperfect and people who have their own personalities and have their own issues and their own struggles to deal with. Yeah, And I think it just becomes like, sometimes it starts in you like me I feel like my main thing is grace like if someone's snappy at me or someone's like I can tell they're having a bad day I try to take it personal I just say like do you do you need to talk to someone do you need a hug do you need help um because you just seem different you seem off and it right. starts with that um, and I think so too like, there is like a spiritual attack like Satan does not want churches to thrive <laughs> absolutely not so I think there's everything that yeah you can kind of take that in two extremes so you and I had like a weird experience like that one day do you remember tell them them what happened (laughs) in the office like to this day I cannot remember what even started this conversation or what happened but it was like we got to work and it was a weird morning I think like everything was just off that morning like I was like no one's really smiling no one's really happy like it just felt weird in the office already and then I walked past I walked past your your office your space yeah and we were talking about something and I like I called did I call you selfish I think so it was something (laughs) that like was very triggering to me yes and like I said it so fast and then I like walk off yeah and I was angry I was like I cannot like because literally the night before we had had a conversation where I was like really like because of whatever that's happened before when people call me selfish like it's really triggering to me it's triggering and then yes the next morning that happened because I was telling you a story and you were like that's selfish and walked off and so I was mad and you were like also mad I guess I don't know (laughs) I don't even know like and that's so unlike me because I feel like people tell me a lot of things about themselves and I work really hard to not call people by their struggles <laughs> like yeah. and so like to be like a day later like you're selfish and so yeah I walked across and I like I think I just turned around and was like so that was weird right like uh-huh. <laughs> we felt that that, that was not normal <laughs> it was because it was not a normal conversation we would have it was not a normal way that we would talk to each other and then afterwards, yeah, it was like I was mad in the moment, but then I was like, that wasn't real. Something about this wasn't right. <laughs> it was an attack. And like, it felt like an attack. It was like, yeah. I was, I didn't feel in control in that moment. I didn't feel like I had any choice but to say the things that were coming out of my mouth. And right. 
which is so crazy but I've noticed like you know like even this week at our church like everyone uh, on one of the days this week was like so tired like every single person I walked by was like yawning and drain and finally I was just like I wonder if this is spiritual like (laughs) I wonder if there's something going on in the spiritual realm that's expecting us in our physical um because we are super connected to a spiritual realm when you're saved especially you know and sometimes I think we forget that but I just was like I wonder if there's not anything going on in the spiritual realm that is affecting us who are connected to the spiritual through our salvation um but yeah I think like that's also a thing like you have a true enemy that and you're working so close to your enemy's enemy like you know yes on the flip side of that though I think what happens even if you don't work in ministry just if you're a Christian it's easy to be like oh well this is just Satan trying to get me down or this is just a spiritual attack when in reality it's like no this there is a sin issue here that needs to be addressed and you're having a hard time because you're not dealing yes. with the sin. <laughs> so it's kind of a catch 22 sometimes of like, is this an attack on the enemy or is this something that I need to, to deal with? Work hard. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's an attack and sometimes it's just you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's you sweet, sweet. Like you have to figure out and that's hard because it's, conviction is such a hard thing and like I've been talking a lot about just conviction in the last few weeks I don't know why just a lot of people have been coming up to me about their conviction Mm -hmm. stuff like that um but I just it's just such a hard thing to deal with because first of all you're being called out by the spirit that's like hey you're doing something wrong and those of us especially people like me who are like kind of people pleasers who like don't like to mess up a whole lot and have a lot of things wrong you're like what do you mean I'm wrong? <laughs> like, and, the, and you have to fight against yourself and agree with the spirit and agree with God and say, oh, I'm wrong. And sometimes it's hard because you don't feel like you're wrong. And that happens. Like that's a battle to be like, God is saying I'm wrong. And do I feel wrong? Not all the time. I feel like she deserved that. Like, <laughs> I feel like she deserved to be told off, but God is telling me that I have to apologize. And so like, and that was probably one of the hard things for me, especially getting saved, but working in a Christian job setting. Mm-hmm. Um, because my last year of teaching, I was very intentional about like sharing, being the light and sharing the love of God. But before that, I was going toe to toe. And it's like, if you come to me with something crazy, I got something crazy right back for you. Mm-hmm. And so even in the Christian setting, being like, I can't do that. I can't someone can't be sassy to me and I can't come back at them with sass because the Lord is going to tell me that I have to apologize (laughs) like and that's me because I've had to apologize and go back and say hey I know that was really harsh what I said yesterday (laughs) and I'm sorry um and so even and that's hard because you have to die to yourself and dying to yourself is not easy (laughs) like death is not easy and so to be like I can't treat people this way sometimes the way I want to treat them and sometimes the way they're treating me because God has called me to more and even in a Christian setting you might feel like you're the only one who's like am I the only one seeing that we need to be giving each other grace and love um and praying with each other through our sinful issues and make and checking in on each other spiritually yeah Ty uh before you keep going can you explain a little bit what 
die to yourself means because in a non-christian setting that's a quite a term <laughs> kind of scary but it can yeah, yeah yeah well you know we hear like treat yourself and like and that's my favorite one of my favorite things to say to me <laughs> me don't tell me no very often oh <laughs> but I think dying to self I just had this conversation with one of my uh preschool workers who's having a hard time um and her and I were talking and she just was like I hope I don't deal with these issues anymore and this kind of like we we're praying through some stuff and I said you might deal <laughs> with these issues again and we have to remember where the bible tells us to die to pick up our cross daily and die to ourselves basically and it's like that's hard because when we think about death death is never easy mm-hmm. um it can be easier at certain times of like well she was an older person or he was older or but I'm like you think about death in general and it's always some sort of sadness at some point there's grief there's the thought of I'm never going to speak to this person again I'm never going to hug this person again so death in itself is sad so I don't feel like it's a happy thing to say you got to die to yourself every day it's a hard thing it's saying though me myself I want to lay in bed all day I want to be able to you know not be bothered by certain things and the Lord has called me to more so dying to myself is saying I got to answer this call from the 16 year old girl who's just needing someone to pray over them when all I want to do today is sleep or not think about you know so that's my personal dying to self one of my things is like I like kind of doing my own thing and like when you work in a church sometimes people need you in a very serious way and you can't just go off on your own and not be bothered by that type of stuff but dying to yourself is just saying I agree that there's something inherently selfish about me that will want to serve myself in every capacity but the Lord has called me to serve others as I would serve myself basically so all the things I want to give myself is what God is calling me to give to other people yeah and yeah. that's dying about a physical death <laughs> it's no a death it's not a physical death it's the self- a death of your selfishness essentially yes it's the death it's it's hard because death is hard so it's so hard and I think this mis- gets misconstrued all the time it's like you know you pick up your cross daily and die and it's like okay yes but sometimes like it's a little harder than that like these are if you're picking up the same cross every day and there are Christians picking up the same cross every day like and I know I've been in this season where I was picking up the same cross every day and I was like I'm really tired of this (laughs) I'm really tired of picking up this cross every day and agreeing that I'm wrong but it's what God calls us to do and in the end when you're a few years down the road or maybe not but at some point God just reveals to you his goodness And he just says, like, the reason that you're dying to self is you don't know anything. And I know everything. And so you're agreeing. What you're doing is agreeing that there is a God who loves me more than me, who knows me more than me, because he created me. He formed me in my mother's room and he has plans for me. And so if someone has plans for you and you start to mess up those plans, even as a person, you're like, hey, (laughs) don't like, don't do that. If you see, if you're going to take your friend out for dinner and you see her eating at 530 and you know you're going to a big dinner at six, you'd be like, maybe wait, maybe have a small snack. Like (laughs) you correct, you would correct them. And so God who has a plan for you is saying, hey, I have plans for you. 
but your flesh sometimes is going to go against what I have planned and the two can't dwell together you can't be in my plan and be in your plan you can only do one Mm -hmm. and so it's about agreeing and saying that even though I feel like I know it all I agree that I don't even though I feel like it because I think sometimes we think that we shouldn't even have those feelings we're like I should just believe that God is going and you do have to but dying to yourself is also telling yourself I don't know everything every day Mm -hmm. telling yourself I can't I don't have to control everything every day like waking up every day and saying I don't need to control this situation because God has it already in control and he has a plan so it's not a physical death it's a spiritual it's a spiritual death it's a it's a death of I need to to agree with God I have to deny myself yeah yeah and that's hard like because we're inherently selfish people and it's like we want to love ourselves we want to treat ourselves well we want Mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves and the Lord is saying yes and other people too (laughs) I'm I'm having a guest on here in a couple weeks who Mm -hmm. is gonna talk about self-love in a biblical light because the world has it very very wrong (laughs) um of how we love ourselves and Yeah, so I'm excited for her to be on to touch about that. And I think it's going to go, actually, these episodes are going to release fairly close to each other. So I think they'll go hand in hand. And I'm really excited for that. That's so funny. (laughs) That's not what I was supposed to be talking about. But you do it. (laughs) Working in a church is dying to yourself every day. Like, I feel like it's a very close, you have to pick up your cross every day and you have to go back and you have to work with people and you have to show them the love of Christ even though you feel like they should know the love of Christ and they they, you know you're like and it's hard just like your family it's we are the meanest to the people we're most comfortable with and this is our spiritual family (laughs) so we don't always treat each other well we don't always love each other well um but God is just so good and in that and just so gracious that he's like I have a plan and you nutcases running around trying to insert your own plans are not going to ruin it, which I love. <laughs> I love that. He's like, I knew that I was putting someone who was too prideful and someone who was too outspoken and someone who, you know, I knew I was putting all of you together. So I'm not surprised by the issues that you're having, right. but that's part of dying to yourself too, is saying part of dying to myself is also realizing that like, I need to love this person. Now I don't really like that much. <laughs> and like, and I have to be kind to them and treat them well because the Lord asked me to. (laughs) Also, I think that we do try to do it on our own. I know I did. Like, I have to be nice to this person and I have to do this and I have to act accordingly. But that's the point is like, you have to walk in the spirit and you have to let the Lord lead you. You better start inviting the spirit (laughs) to help you do this stuff or you are going to fail every time. Yeah, like be like, Lord, if you can help me be kind to this person, because on my own, on my own, it ain't going to be good. <laughs> like, and you know me, I, I could get the sassies with the sassies of them. And so there are people that come across me and I'm like, Father, I need you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I come asking for help because on my own, this ain't going to be good. Yeah. And so and that's hard for adults to do. I think it's hard to ask for help. Right. And your Christian walk is telling you, you have to basically ask for help every day of your life. 
you have to acknowledge every single day of your life that you cannot do this on your own. And it feels hopeless when you say it like that, but it's really not because there's someone who said, good, you don't have to do it on your own. That's the whole point. It would be hopeless to say, I can't do this on my own and I have no help. Yeah. But all the hope is in saying, I know for a fact, we have the answers. We can't do it. That's the answer. Right. Like, and then we have the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not hard. <laughs> like that's the, that's hopeful. That's the best part of it is like, we have the solution and the, we have the problem and the solution all in one thing, all together. Mm-hmm. And God laid out in the Bible of how we're supposed to deal with these conflicts and we do not follow it. We don't As a general do it. Rule, like we are supposed to go to the person, not the person's mm-hmm. friend, not the person's whatever, go to the person, bring up your issue. If no resolution is found, then you go to the church. Then you go or you bring another person with you. Another and then, person. And we don't follow that. I don't no. follow that well at all. No. Because we like to be validated. Mm-hmm. So one thing we have to do before we go to that person is go to our best friend and say, hey, I'm going to go to this person and tell them they're wrong. Am I right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, we need that. And yeah. so that's our sin nature is saying, the Lord is saying, you are supposed to go directly to that person. But mm-hmm. you, miss, I need, you know, affirmations. And so I'm going to go to my best friend so she can tell me that I'm doing the right thing. When it's like, well, if the spirit has led you to talk to this person, then you're the right thing would have been to go and do it as soon as the spirit led you to do it. The yeah. wrong thing was going to your best friend and saying, which I am guilty of, and we'll probably still be guilty of next week because we just need to feel good about ourselves. Right. And that's not biblical, but it's just how we are. We just need to feel good about ourselves. And it's so much easier to say, I know I'm coming to you and I'm right because my friend already told me I'm right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's a church in Waco, Texas, and I know that the pastor there has a rule that, so say, for example, you came to me and you wanted to say something about another coworker um, that was negative of some sort, Mm -hmm. gossip, essentially. You wanted to come gossip to me. I would have to tell you, you have 24 hours to go tell that person what you just told me and talk to them about it, or I'm going to tell them that you told me this. And I was like, that is amazing. Like they have an incredibly healthy church, but I hope never, (laughs) nobody ever tells me that rule. I know. Yes. It like, which is convicting in itself of like, if that's terrifying to me to have to do that, um, there's probably some things I need to work on. Yeah. Because it's like, I would definitely be a part of that. Like if I was at that church, I would be getting told that multiple times a week. And now you have 24 hours to go share that with someone else, which as a general rule of thumb, I try not to even share things unless I've already talked to a person about it. And like, there's been some resolution, Uh, but I'm a human and I have, I know that I sometimes do have gossipy tendencies of like, girl, did you hear? Like, did you know? And like (laughs) something about, I'm like, and you know, my favorite thing is like, what's the tea? who has the tea what's the scoop what's going on and so like we have this inherent thing of like needing to know yeah um, but yes yeah, like I think one thing I've learned and I've tried to do is to say like have you talked to that person about it so mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm a far cry away from being like yo you got 24 hours to go tell that person 
or I'm snitching but like <laughs> yeah but I just say like hey have you talked to that person like 24 hours ugh, I don't know if I could even do that to someone but I'm sure it does keep accountability it's like if I knew that someone was going to tell someone I said about them something yeah. I said about them within 24 hours like I would want them to hear it from me yeah because then now I have to give my explanation as to why I would even say something like that or think something like that and it sparks a conversation we should have had anyway right and that's what conviction is it's, it's not real cute from the beginning but it just leads mm-hmm. to something so beautiful like it's just so beautiful when it's complete not when it's happening it ain't fun right but when it's complete when you walk through the walk and you're like we're on the other side of this this is nice like god knows what he's doing yeah. <laughs> uh so ty i know that you've had a lot of growth working at the church mm-hmm. um even even though you were saved before there's still a lot of growth that happens part of that's just the process of sanctification but part of it is because of being surrounded by ministry all the time yeah uh how has this affected I know that you have a lot of friends who are unbelievers uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome because you have really great ministry opportunity there but you also have your people that you go to to hold you accountable so I think you do that so well which a lot of Christians Either they have all their friends are non-believers or, and they kind of go to church on Sunday mm-hmm. or they're only surrounded by believers, which that we're not called to either. Right. So will you tell me how the last few years has affected your friendships with non-believers? Yeah. So I think that one thing just changes. Uh, I just kind of set a different standard or a boundary. It was just like, these are things that I just won't be participating in anymore. Um, and it kind of started like, I think when I first started, like even before I was working at the church full time, um, there's just certain things that I was doing, like fasting for 30 days from sometimes I was only drinking water. Sometimes I wasn't on social media. And so um, fasting is really mostly a, a Christian thing. Um <laughs> There are, of course, there are other cultures that use fasting and do fasting for other different reasons. Now they're medical, but for Christian fasting to be like, I'm just not on social media because I feel like I am on it too much. And it's not, yes, sir. And it's not um, conducive to who Christ wants me to be because I'm comparing myself to other people all the time, or I'm judging other people's lives because, you know, like, and so to say, like, I need a fast from social media, like, I need to be off of social media, like, those are things that start to set you apart from the world. And so when you have friends who are, or you know, or acquainted with people who are in the world, and you say, like, I'm fasting because of this reason, like, there's always this conversation you have to have of like, well, why? You know, like, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends, when I was, she was helping with my budget, and we were talking about that I spent so much on tithing. And she was like, you could save so much if you didn't do this. And I was like, well, that can't go. So, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I have to tie. Um, and her not being a Christian, she just was like, girl, like, you could be saving so much money if you just wasn't giving this much to the church. And I had to explain to her, like, well, this is why I give to the church for this reason. One is to tell God, to show God in my faith that this is not my money to begin with. That if it were not for him, I wouldn't have this money. Um. And so those are the conversations you have to have at first. And they kind of like, they can be weird and they can be kind of like, you kind of feel like under a microscope 
as soon as it's over, you're like, everyone's looking at me. Like I'm the weird person. Um, but in the end, it just sets you apart. Like, cause then yeah. now they know, like my friends, I feel like they know when I say no to something that I mean, no, like they're like, no, time means no. When she mm-hmm. says it, like if she says she's not going, if she says she's not participating, she's not participating. <laughs> like, um, so it, it was hard at first, but it became a boundary of like, they just knew. You know, like they just knew there were certain things I wasn't going to do. There were certain things I was not going to participate in. Um, and then when they, when sometimes my friends would complain, like, we never see this and that. Well, I would say like, well, I asked if we could hang out at a movie theater or do different things. And no one has really said to do different things. So that's why you haven't seen me as much. Um, but one thing is just like ministry is just so busy. And that's the other side of the coin. It's like sometimes all I have time for is the people that I work with 24-7 at church and we have our evening ministries and we're together 12 hours a day um, and we travel together for conferences and so like just distance anyways helps um, or causes friction sometimes because it's like well you're only ever hanging out with your friends from church and I'm like well I'm only ever seeing them because I work with them (laughs) and like I get paid to be with them technically yes (laughs) Yes, and like when so I get I off of work at nine o'clock, I'm tired, and like, and then the one off day a week I get, I want to use to rest, and so I'm sorry that I don't see you all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's just, and you have to pray sometimes. It's not always easy, and I'm not always perfect. And there are times where I'm like, "Ooh, I was not a good light today," you know. Like I got into it with one of my friends, and I used words I shouldn't have because I was not a good light today. Um, uh. And those things do get hard. And sometimes you just don't have those friends altogether. Like you do lose friends. Um, I think the friends that I still have, God specifically wants me to be in their life for whatever reasons that he has. Um, but they're, I've lost friends. Like they're friends that I'm not friends with anymore since yeah. that shift just happened. And that's that too. And it's hard. It's like, oh, I miss them. Like, yeah but that happens and everyone can't and that's okay so you have to understand that too like there you'll lose people um but sometimes not everyone some people do lose you know god takes them out of a situation 100 percent altogether and then for me i was just still the light yeah and so that's just what i try to do just that's a prayer i pray anytime i hang out with them that i would just be the light um that my behavior would be set apart and be different yeah and just go from there yeah um so Ty I have one more question and then we'll go into our closing questions that we do each episode um what is something or how can we hold people in church leadership um accountable what are some good ways to do that for people like me who aren't on staff at the church but you know I see you every week when I drop my kids off or I Mm -hmm go to Bible study that someone leads. How do I hold those people accountable well? I think before we start with accountability, we have to start with intentionality. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes we like we are very much like we have to hold these people accountable. There has to be accountability. And these are people that we don't have a relationship with. And it's really hard to hold people accountable when you don't have a relationship with them. Um, So my main thing, and I start with, is intentionality. Like, am I involved in this person's life? 
am I speaking with them? Am I keeping up with them? Am I asking questions? Um, when they tell me they have appointments, am I checking in? When they are telling me they have things going on, am I checking up and saying like, hey, you know, because part of accountability is like, if someone confesses to you, and this is why accountability is hard, you have to be intentional and you have to be consistent because it's a big deal when someone confesses. And this is coming from someone who has confessed <laughs> to people and been like, I don't want to do this because first of all, your body is fighting against, your sinful nature is fighting against confession at every turn. Mm-hmm. You, Your brain is telling you, do not share this information. No one else is going through this. No one else is going to understand what you're ta- like. No one else is going to know, you know? And so you have to fight through all those thoughts just to basically expose yourself yeah. to someone you hope will love you enough to pray over you and 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 help you with this struggle. And so I think it just starts with intentionality. If someone comes to me and they are seeking accountability or they are or they're confessing or they're just struggling, my first thought is to ask bigger questions than just like, why are you struggling with this sin? Like sometimes I'm like, well, how's school? How's work? How's home? Like asking these questions of like, there's something bigger to this than just like I fell into this sin. Like right. some this started somewhere. And so I think intentionality is the first step to accountability of being like, I have to be consistent and intentional and check in on this person. Um, so that I have a standard to hold them hold them to. I can't just go to a stranger and say, Hey, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like something that the Lord really put on my heart a few years ago when we worked together um specifically about pastors is that um because pastors are shepherds mm-hmm. that's their role and so a lot of times pastors don't have friends pastors have sheep mm-hmm. and they need friends so yes. we are expecting all of these people in church leadership to pour into us and to guide us and to hold us accountable and to walk with us but there are also people who need people to do the same things with them too. Yes, and I often wonder. Yeah, yeah. Like where our leadership, and not just in my church, but and just across the board. Like, where are you guys getting poured into? Like, where are you seeking your accountability? Because just because you're a pastor doesn't take you away from having sin or issues as well. Yeah. Um, that you you need to seek prayer for and accountability for. Um, and sometimes I think maybe it is sometimes up to us like one thing is if it's on your heart it might be you like you might be the person that needs to go to your pastor and say like how are you you know are you um who's who's praying over you right now where do you seek your accountability like you might be the person to have to ask those hard questions yeah Ty this has been such a good conversation and I'm so glad that to have you on um it's taken a different turn than a lot of our other episodes but I think it's good and I think we need to hear this especially as um people who belong to the church yeah in any church big c church (laughs) uh but before we go I have two more questions for you the first one is through all of these things all the church hurt that you've walked through um and just your life in general How do you love people and love God better now than you did before? Um, I think that a lot of that came through conviction. 
and just having to understand that God called me to more um, when he <laughs> sent his son to die on the cross for my sins and his blameless son who didn't commit any sins to die yeah. for my sins. Um, and when you truly sit under the weight of that, you just realize like how much grace you have, you have to give other people. Yeah. Like you just realize like, I still have to love these people who hurt me because Jesus cried out from the cross, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And he cried that out as he was being tortured and beaten. And so to say that like, maybe God expects a little bit more out of me just because I got my feelings hurt, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, and not to say that church hurt is not a big thing and not things that need to be, talked about and like seek counseling and get help and get through that hurt but also realizing that um we just are called to more we're called to forgiveness and we're called to forgive those that hurt us um and pray for our enemies and so that's hard it's hard to pray for someone that you truly dislike or that has truly hurt you um and affected your life because you know a lot of my church hurt came from when I was a child like a teenager in the church and my family went through a lot with the church and which is why I feel like my college early college were so crazy one thing was I just didn't believe in the church anymore you know I'm just like this is how people act and so I was one of those people that was refusing to return to the church because of the hurt I had experienced from when I was younger um but God is the only person that could rescue out of that. And he was the only person that rescued me out of that. It was no work of my own to have been a person that I am now, which is just, when I look back, I'm like, it's completely crazy that like I work at a church. It's ridiculously wild. Um, <laughs> like certainly proof that God has a humongous sense of humor. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I'm just like, how, you know, and I work in the church and I feel some days I'm like, I am not qualified for this job. Like I do not understand. Um, but some, sometimes I just want to say things that qualify us is basically sometimes just the yes in our spirit, just yeah. the obedience. Sometimes the only thing that qualifies you and really truly the only thing that qualifies you is your obedience. And then the Lord does the rest Yeah. and he's going to use you. Um, and so that's a big thing to be like, I had to let that hurt go in order to heal and love others better yeah Uh, Um, otherwise i'd just be sad (laughs) all the time (laughs) thank you so much ty that's that's awesome that's such a good answer to that question um so now ty to close out the show um i always ask this question and it's super fun to see how people answer uh so what is something that you are loving right now and it can be anything that I'm loving right now I think like, you'll you'll know because you're because you know me um I love reels memes and tiktoks yeah like, I absolutely love real I think people are so funny um and I'm like you just get these little laughs throughout the day just from people being just like themselves or putting on these little shows that they concoct in their heads in their living rooms and then they just put it on the screen for you to watch. And so I think like, I think people are so funny, but one of my favorite things to do at night before bed is like, just watch those stupid, like Christian reels on Instagram that are so funny. Uh, so those are the, my loves. 
Yes. Um, to the listeners, I apologize for my baby who's burping through Ty's answer. He just been all over me. Uh, we're getting a babysitter soon. Don't worry. <laughs> um, freedom. Yeah. A little freedom. But he's uh, so cute, though. He is. He is pretty stinking cute. Uh, Ty, who are some of your favorite people to follow on Reels? Like, is there anybody specific that you're like, I love this person's Reels? There is this lady. There's two people. Uh, this lady, her name is Anna Douglas, and she does like these real black churchy memes and reels um, that are just so funny. And then there's another one is uh, Kev on stage. Hey, Ty. Like a, yes. I have not been recording. <laughs> For how long? Um, let's see. The last one. Hold on. Okay. It says recording up here. But on my phone. That the that oh, okay. back up. Okay. So we just need to why isn't it pausing? <laughs> We just need to do the last question again, which is honestly fine okay. because it's up everywhere. <laughs> okay, Ty, to close out the show, what are you loving right now? And it can be anything. I am loving and I do love and will always love reels, memes, and TikToks are my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think people are so funny and I just love watching people just come up with this content of things that they think are funny and every once in a while you're like <laughs> hello podcast funny too. my baby is here <laughs> so sorry about that sorry Ty we're getting a babysitter sorry. soon don't worry <laughs> anyways continue your answer Ty but yes yeah, so I love reels and tiktoks um, especially those like goofy christian ones is there anyone specific that you like to follow that the listeners should go check out? Um, the funny, one of the funniest Christian uh, content creators that I follow on Instagram is Anna Douglas. Um, and she's just, she does a lot of black church reels and she always dresses in the same <laughs> red suit. Um, just, and she's just so funny. So probably I would say Anna Douglas is one of my favorites right now. Okay. So everybody go look at Anna Douglas for a laugh um are you gonna think it's more funny if you're black <laughs> like are you gonna understand it more okay probably I'm still gonna laugh <laughs> because of who I am but I I feel like if we have any listeners who are black you're gonna enjoy they, it more <laughs> yes they will understand it especially if we're raised in a black church uh-huh. okay. <laughs> but you know uh, me I love introducing my friends to culture yes to yes. the culture same friends <laughs> Isn't she a treat? I feel like every time I talk to her, I am always laughing. If you are a parent, I hope she encouraged you and gave you some ideas of how to disciple your babies well. Even though Ty is not a mom, I find myself often looking to her for motherly wisdom. She truly cares about people more than anyone I've met, and I hope to love others as well as she does especially our friends in vocational ministry. 
that's all we have for today. If you need me, you can find me on Instagram at Mrs. Cody Rayleigh. Cody is K-O-D-I-E. Thanks friends. Have a great day.